What shall I do, Lord? Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you'll be told all that have been assigned to you. My companions led me by the hand into, into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by uh, all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. At that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people, to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Paul was confronted by the risen Jesus, and his life was changed forever. And I want to focus um, this morning on, on these words. What shall I do, Lord? What shall I do, Lord? Jesus responds, go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. For Paul, his new life in Jesus, the resurrection life, it became obvious very quickly what he must do. He was from now on to be a witness, to be a disciple of Jesus, following Jesus, doing the things that Jesus did, teaching the things that Jesus taught. And Paul's new life, it begins immediately. Well, it would following the filling of the Holy Spirit. He's baptized, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he asks, what shall I do, Lord? And Jesus makes it clear what he's to do. He spends some time in Damascus, we see that from Acts 9, preaching the risen Jesus, and the people are astonished, we're told. This man who had come to Damascus to round up the Christians and persecute them and perhaps kill them, they were astonished at the change. And we're told in Acts 9 that he grows more and more powerful in the Holy Spirit. And so for Monica and I arriving here in Sheffield, it was strange at the start. It's becoming uh, more normal now and we really like it here. But the question that we need to ask and have been asking, what shall we do, Lord? In other words, how are we to live the resurrection life in this new city? And we know what he was going to say to us because he's already made it clear. I wonder about you and some of you will have been in this incredible church for a long time. Have you asked the question, Lord, what shall I do? Yes, we need intimacy with Jesus but what then shall I do? Has he told you? Well, can I share with you what Jesus will tell you? Can I be presumptuous enough to tell you what he'll tell you if you ask that question? He will say exactly the same thing as he said to Paul. He will say exactly the same thing as he said to Monica and myself. It's the same answer to all who follow Jesus. And it's very simple. Make disciples. Be my witnesses. Jesus couldn't have made it clearer. His last recorded words on earth all the four Gospels say the same thing. In Matthew, go into all the world and make disciples. Not go and make churches and build churches. Not go and do good and be religious. Go and make disciples. 
Mark says similar things. Go into all the world and preach the good news. In other words, make disciples. Luke says similar things. You'll be my witnesses, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Then go and make disciples. John, at the end of his gospel, I'll show you how to catch huge numbers of fish or disciples. So what shall I do, Lord? I'll show you, says Jesus. You're to make disciples. There's nothing else. You're to make disciples. And I've got to take some care being in Sheffield. I don't like to use the word retired, and I don't want to be, and I'm thinking of of starting something new with the business community here, but we'll see how that goes. But I know that the call on my life and all of our lives is to make disciples. There is nothing else. And Paul begins to do this immediately. He doesn't need to be taught. He knows his scriptures. He knows that God's a missionary God, a God who sends, a God who saves us from our sins. And now he's met with the risen Lord, and it all starts to fit together. This is the resurrection life for Paul, and it needs to be the same for us. Last week, if you were here, Anne got us to pray for five people who don't yet know Jesus in our, um, in our context that they might become disciples. Just think, if each one of us introduced just one person to Jesus in the coming year, what would happen to the church? Would need twice the number of seats. Think of the impact if we doubled in size every year. On my calculations, half the population of Sheffield would be converted in 10 years. And Paul got this. Acts 9 and verse 25, Paul has to leave Damascus because of a threat on his life. And there were many threats, weren't there, on his life. And we're told something here that I think is really interesting in Acts 9, which I didn't read. We're told this, that his followers, his disciples, saved him. You'll you'll know the story. They lowered him by night in a basket through an opening in the wall. And so right from the start, Paul knew what to do. He knew he needed to multiply his life into others, to disciple others. And Ananias and the other Christians in Damascus, they were discipling Paul. And then Paul began discipling others, investing his life in others, into Silas, into Timothy, into Luke, into Titus, into Lydia, into Aquila, into Priscilla, into Epaphras, into Syntyche, into Clement, into Onesimus, into Aristarchus, into Sosthenes, into Stephanus, into Phoebe, into Epaphroditus. And so it goes on. And that was the legacy that he left. So when he was gone to be with his Lord in heaven, there would be others multiplying multiplying their lives. And so the gospel went viral as it spread across the Roman Empire. A culture of disciples making disciples making disciples. Meeting in households, in oikos and community. And I don't need to tell you these things because of this church. This church that changed my life in 2013 when I came to pilgrimage, those conferences that you held uh, for people, church leaders from across the world would come. And it changed my life when I could see a model and a way of, 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 of being a disciple who makes disciples. You've got so much. Your heritage is so wonderful. And maybe I can now start to say that our heritage is so wonderful. 
It's the reason why churches in the Northwest are getting it. Our churches of, of disciples making disciples. It's the reason why churches in the UK are getting it, because of this church. It's the reason why across the world people are getting it. Disciples are making disciples. So what should we do, Lord? What should we do, Lord? He's shown us. He's shown us. Chad Norris last night at the well um, was uh, being interviewed and spoke very powerfully. And for me, I don't know about you, and you need to correct me if I'm wrong, but for me, the most important thing that he said, and I felt the most important thing that he would have said, was to multiply our life into the lives of others, as he spoke briefly about Matthew 28. You'll have heard of, and I'm drawing to a close, Pete. You'll have heard, oh, it says minus 3.54. Is, is, is that bad news? But it did start on six minutes, I think. But anyway, okay. Um, I am drawing to a close. You'll have heard of this, this, this um, picture, which I find really helpful. Sheep and shepherds. That followers of Jesus are meant to look like sheep from the front and shepherds from the back. And I love this. Sheep from the front because we're following someone who is helping us to follow Jesus. And Jess said that she was a work in progress. I certainly am. I'm a little bit older than Jess. I'm certainly a work in progress. A sheep from the front. But we can be shepherds from the back because we are helping others to learn how to follow Jesus. What shall I do, Lord? God will show you. Go and make disciples. And so the question today is, who are you investing in? Who are you having coffee with? Who are you texting? Who are you meeting with? Who in the workplace uh, are you getting close to? Now, Monica and myself are learning how to do this, and uh, we're having a, a happy hour. It's not original. I think Mike Breen uh, has done this. Um, but we're having a happy hour um, in our home uh, every Thursday through um, July and August, uh, just to invite the neighbors in, uh, something that is quite unchurchy, to invite them in. So as I draw to a close, who is God putting on your heart right now? We would ask two questions uh, in St. Helens, which we got from you. What is God saying to you right now? And what are you going to do about it? Should we just pause as we think about that, as we think about the people around us, our neighbors, our colleagues, our family? Jesus is alive. We know that. The bones of Muhammad are in Medina. The bones of the Buddha are in India. The bones of Karl Marx are in Highgate Cemetery in London. But in Jerusalem, there's an empty tomb. Jesus is alive. So what shall I do, Lord? Is that you, Lord? 
Okay, wow. That was a powerful talk, that wasn't it? <laughs> um, awesome. So what we're going to do is we're going to respond to that. So hopefully we'll just have um, some, a slide with questions on from the guys uh, you just heard from. And what I want us to do um, is to respond to these. Actually, normally we kind of say come to the front and so on and so forth. But I think what would be really good is that if actually if we just turn to the person next to us and kind of just discuss have a chat about these things. What are the things that stood out to you? So the three questions we have here is, um, what does living a resurrected life mean to you? How can you fix your eyes on the not yet? And what shall I do, Lord? So we're going to respond by literally just answering those questions, talking it through with the person next to us. What stood out to you? What do you feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to you about? Maybe you want to use these questions, maybe you don't. But turn to the person next to you now and just begin to kind of respond um, through sharing what God's been speaking to you about. And we're going to worship together after that.